Em Rossiano and Michael Lucas. I need to write a song. Everything is problematic. This is Emsolation. Because I have to find a way to dump the bodies. I mean, do you think there's a universe where you could be rewarded with $100,000 for not having sex? I would have been making bank. If you're listening now and you're in Melbourne and you're not wearing a mask, well, you can't be friends with Michael and I. I'm sorry, you're out. <laughs> you're in Emsolation. What an episode. Wow. Hello and welcome to this very special edition, second Q&A, Q&A, Q&Gay. I like it how it evokes the ABC panel show and then (laughs) in the end it's us joking about jizz. Pretty much. I mean, you know, but I'm sure people wouldn't be opposed to the Q&A panel show descending to jizz chat. May as well sometimes, to be honest. The last one was wildly popular, so we went into another one. We've got a lot of questions through. Thank you so much. Some from our patrons, some from Instagram, some from email. We'll get straight into the first one. And I have to say, Michael Lucas, this particular question was asked a disturbing amount of times. Yes. I don't know why. It's weird. It's Okay, people asked specifically, let's see, um, what's the worst? Was, okay, from Megs Kirby on Instagram. Hello, Megs. What's the biggest fight you've ever had? And we did tease this on Thursday's episode. We teased. <laughs> so inappropriately, considering. Anyway. We've never had a fight. No. <laughs> We've never. In 30 years of friendship, admittedly 10 years apart. But that um, wasn't due to a fight. That was just. No, that was just. Life. Yeah, life. She left school. I did. I left it was, the school. It was left before the, the internet, so it wasn't that yeah. easy to stay in touch. We just yeah. drifted away and then came back We've together again. Never, which. For you is not a big deal because you've been married. You've been with your partner for over, what, 10, 12 years? How long have you and oh, Adrian gosh. been together? Yeah, it's 12 years now. <laughs> 12 years and you've never had a fight. Scott and I no, have No, we did have the fight about Madonna. <laughs> All right, well, that's not a fight. <laughs> and I was involved in that and you fought because of me. So that doesn't really count And of 15 levels. But I've been with my husband 20 years and I can say we haven't had a fight this Hour. (laughs) (laughs) I am the combative one of the two of us, although I'm much more adverse to confrontation than I used to be. I used to kind of thrive on it Mm. and now I do actively try to find ways to diffuse it, but that's just maturity. Why do you think we've never had a fight in 30 years? Touch wood too. God, we don't want to invoke the universe to send us one. Thing we've got to clarify is we do have disagreements about things all the time, but I think it's just we like it when we're disagreeing about things. Yeah, we do. <laughs> because I always learn things from you. For me, I never ever in our friendship, I know that you love me and I know that you respect me and we just have this baseline of understanding that there's complete safety with the other and you've seen the dark underbelly of my psyche and you still want to be my friend and you still <laughs> – and and you also, I think, secretly love the dark underbelly side of me. I think it entertains you to no end. Whenever you disagree with me, I don't take it personally. I don't feel attacked. I don't feel threatened or undermined. I know that you genuinely have. It's it's not personally driven. I don't know. I just feel safe with you. I, I feel. I feel my emotions are safe with you. I know you would never trample on them. So for me, that's why whenever we disagree, I kind of enjoy it and I see it as a chance to kind of exercise my brain and hear a different side. But also fundamentally you and I are very similar in our upbringings and our tastes and our likes and dislikes too. That's the other thing. That's true. 
Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's, there's certainly, uh, uh, you know, that you're a lot more unfiltered, but I've always liked <laughs> that because I, because I was, I did like, you know, I was a timid sort of a person. Mm. I mean, you, there's, it's so complicated because there's ways in which you are timid and nervous that might be hard for people to understand, but I know that that's true. But then there's other ways. What do you mean? There's ways that you can, you can feel social anxiety. Like, oh yeah, people don't realise that. The weird that. thing is if we're going to a party, I'm going to be more <laughs> comfortable than you are. 100%. If you see Michael Lucas at a party, if you peer behind him, generally that's where I'll be. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to be less comfortable being on stage in front of 3,000 people talking about blood clots coming out of my vagina. <laughs> so we just both have different things. I, I admire your ability for small talk, for actively engaging and seemingly being interested in people's tiny talk, whereas I'm a person that likes to start a conversation right in the middle, which I think is very Italian of me also. I feel sleepy and anxious when people kind of ask questions like, oh, you know, how have things been? And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I'm very drawn to your measuredness and your ability to remain calm when things are just fucking hitting the fan too. But then I also know the other side of that. You have immense anxiety when you put things out into the world like I do. Oh, totally, totally. And there's also been times like there's been key junctures in um, my career where something's been heading down a path that I'm not comfortable with, but I feel like I don't want to rock the boat. So I'm going to keep on going with it. And then M is that voice that says, nah, you're not into it. Pull out. Don't do it. Pull out. Do I it. Do. Yeah. I, I, and I really value that because if it was, if I was just left to my own devices, oh. I probably would dutifully like the good little schoolboy that I am just continue going, even though I know it's a disaster and I don't believe oh. in what I'm doing. I can confidently say if it wasn't for me, your your tombstone will read died of duty, like a million percent because you just, you do, and, and, and I think your husband's the same. He and I are very similar in this regard in that if you, he or I feel instinctively that someone's trying, you allow people to take advantage of you. You're much better at it, but you do. And if he and I get a sense of that, the, the shield, the big Italian <laughs> fucking shoe-loving emotional shield, we go around you, we put our fists together and like, like Wonder Woman and we activate it and we get really cross with the person. But I specifically remember a situation and I won't go into it, don't panic, where you were in a meeting and you you excuse yourself and you called me and you're in tears. And I remember just going TED Talk on your ass <laughs> and being like, how dare that you go back in there and this is what you say. Like I, <laughs> I feel like the reason we never fight is because we do weirdly and not sounding twee complete the bits of each other that are lacking. So... Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very proud of our relationship. I can't say that there are too many. Other, I mean, you have plenty. There are not many relationships in my life where I can say there's never been a fight. And also, it's not not fighting is not necessarily something to aspire to. Particularly, I think not fighting is great as long as you're not repressing anything. And you probably gathered yeah. we're not repressing. Anything. We don't repress. <laughs> like Michael will text me something, and I'll be like, "Oh, that is bullshit." Like, come on, mate. And he'll be do the same back with me. Oh, I don't think so. So it, we are very – our relationship is resilient and robust and able to withstand strong disagreements and we have them. I mean, sometimes you hear them on the podcast. Yes. I'm really sorry there's not a better answer. It couldn't have been – well, there was that <laughs> night, the night before my wedding and I walked in and there was Em and Adrian. What was going on? Nothing like that. <laughs> that is the most <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever said. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. The next question comes from Burnt Post. At Burnt Post, what advice would you give your teenage self, Michael Lucas? You're gay. It's pretty easy. (laughs) 
don't, like you might be on the brink of spending a solid 10 to 12 years sorting this shit out. Just, just trust me, go, go like, <laughs> just look into it. Just look into it. Open up to it. See what happens. <laughs> don't shoot it down. Just, just go with it. Just trust me and go with it. You'll save yourself some time and your twenties might be a lot more fun. <laughs> That's probably, I mean, that'd be the most practical advice that I would Is give that? that. And if invest in Facebook or something like that would be <laughs> Oh my god! It's not invented yet, but when it is, you, invest you're in, gay and yeah. invest in Facebook. What, what would your advice be to yourself? Uh, oh. Yours would be so much more inspirational. I can tell. No, my advice would be: you're not stupid, even though you feel stupid. You're not. You just have a few learning difficulties that are yet to be diagnosed. Um, and who you are is is gonna give you a career in the end. Because I spent so many so many nights, so much time of my teenage years feeling like I was a bad person or that um, like I sometimes I felt like I was too many people stuffed into one body. Like I, I often, honestly bounced off walls with all the energy I had and all the ideas I had and I was constantly from the very first memory I have is being shushed as a kid. Mm. So I think I would tell her one day you'll be on stage, people want you to be loud, they want you to be the biggest version of yourself and that's okay because God, the, and, and also – to, um, appreciate your body. You have a hard, amazing, muscular, taut, fantastic body that you are very hard on. Oh, and one yeah. day, one day you're going to be honestly having to tuck your stomach into a pair of Nancy Gants to put on a pair of tracksuit pants. And so I just want to say to you, young M, God, love the six pack. Enjoy the high tide <laughs> ass. Enjoy the breasts that stand on their own. You enjoy your body. Because I too I, would go back to me at any age up until about 33 and be saying it's uh, just you, you're constantly feeling ashamed of your body or worried yes. about it or anxious about it. This is peak, mate. What are you You've thinking? Heard me say you're going to my daughters. look back on pictures of yourself and go, my yes. God. Yes. I constantly say to my kids, sometimes my 18 year old comes out and she's like, oh, I don't think I can wear this. And I'm like, babe, this is peak. Okay. I want to tell you right now. <laughs> You can wear it. Wear less. It doesn't even worry about it. You can do it. If you're worried you can't do it, I'm here to tell you, you can. Because, I do, and I would say any teenager, male or female, and if you've got a teenage kid, remind them, you're going to look back and, and miss this body that didn't make 50 noises when you bent down. And so many people said it to us, oh, you know, appreciate it, but you don't. You don't appreciate it. No. So I, I would definitely – and my body did so many amazing things. It was I was an athlete and a dancer and, and I did so many great things, but at the time I was so mean to my body. I would like, Sometimes I wouldn't put food into it for days because I was trying to, you know, get down to a certain weight to race and, like, I would batter it around and I wouldn't care for it and I regret that. My body so. did less great things, but it still did the job. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, I love this question because you have an answer. This is from Alexandria Bartley. The worst date you've ever experienced. Was with my husband. Yeah, tell it. I love this. <laughs> well, it was, it was sort of getting close to critical. Like we'd had sort of a date. We were sort of at that threshold. I think it was like second or third date where it's kind of like unless – action is happening now. This is just, we're just going to drift into being friends. So it was a must progress 
sort of situation. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately I woke up and I had really bad hay fever and my, I just had really itchy eyes and I couldn't stop sneezing and kept rubbing my eyes and I was desperate. And so I went to my housemate and asked if she like had any medic. She had all the medication in the world. She was amazing. She was a chemist. And um, so she gave me some Finergan, which I'd never taste, taken before. And so really? I just, nah, never my taken mum used my mum used to put that in my bottle as a kid. To make you go to sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I took one and thought, it's not doing anything, not doing anything. And I took another one and it had the most intense sedative effect. Like it was it was crazy. Like I, I remember I just barely set the alarm and then fell asleep and then the alarm went off and it was like coming out of a tomb. And I... I had to contact Adrian and say, I, I still made myself go. I made myself go. We were meeting at the Opera Keys in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm, I'm still coming. Just so you know, I have had an overdose of antihistamines. <laughs> I may not be able to stay long, but please know that I want to be there. And, when I, and I could, he was responding going, oh, okay, sure. See you there. And I could just feel him thinking, what a <laughs> fucking excuse. At least have the dignity to make up something plausible. Don't say a fucking overdose <laughs> Of antihistamines. Antihistamines. <laughs> and I went and I just spent the whole time going, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's just I really can barely keep my eyes open. I want to stay. I really, really want to stay. Let's do another day. Let's do another day. And then he, he sort of bought it, I think. And then I went and then hopped on the train and fell asleep on the train and went to the end of the line. It was <laughs> And then Offspring came along and I wrote a whole episode about Nina overdosing on antihistamines when she had to meet Dr. Chris, who was played by Don Honey. So I turned it. <laughs> into art in the end that was by far my worst day except for of course all the other dates like my expeditions into online dating early on where you just rock up and be like oh my god there's nothing here and you knew it within 30 seconds and you still had to like get through the day they were pretty bad you em i've only been on one date and that was with my husband oh god I mean, he, I mean uh, congratulations. We had, we had, a, we had a, our first date. It took him a year to ask me out. Mm. Um, it took him a year, honestly. It was just exhausting. And then he took me to Revolver in Melbourne, which was an Classy. odd choice. But he liked the Thai restaurant that not people, many people know. So Revolver, if you're not from Melbourne, is generally where you go at 6am after a big night out to continue on. Um, and a lot of illicit substances will have been taken and it's dark and the floors are sticky and they play soft music. Um, so it's a recovery joint. But also, weirdly, has an amazing Thai restaurant attached to it. So <laughs> Scott took me there and I was halfway through a conversation and he just kissed me. Like he'd obviously not been listening, rude, and building up to it. Mm. Um, and then we, he stayed with me that night at my friend Alex's place where I was staying for a bit and um, that was it. That and was the night Chella was conceived. Actually, no, but you know what? Not too far Actually, off. Actually, <laughs> it was a... About three months later from that night, yeah. <laughs> And look, first time I'd ever um, – I slept with him on the first date too. That's the first time I'd ever done that. But it just all – the planets aligned. Oh, God, I'm feeling less angry towards him now talking about oh, – Oh, that's lovely. That's, that's a key, isn't it? When you're feeling really – like we've been together a very long time. When you're feeling – I think it helps to remember the reasons why you fell in love with your partner – in the first place. Mm. I think that helps you kind of feel warm towards them, but then sometimes those reasons develop into the reasons you don't like them. So you've got to be very careful there. <laughs> Luckily, his commitment to Revolver wasn't something that became a feature <laughs> of the relationship. Do you know the weird thing is this year in Five Bedrooms we're writing Kat Stewart's character and her best gay friend. We're writing a story about how they're both pushing each other out onto to go dating together and they're both sort of each other's wingman. And a couple of people attached going, oh, did you and M do this once? And I, and I wish the answer was yes. 
But we didn't because M <laughs> M has been married the entire time. She gave me well, some dating advice, but but we were, unfortunately I was not able to reciprocate, and I fear I never will be able to. That's depressing. But I no, it's good. It's good. Oh, well, you know we've. Anyway, um, so <laughs> question. <laughs> that was a dot, 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 wasn't it? Anyway. Uh, look, you know, who knows? Shelley from Instagram asks, Michael, are you ever involved in casting your shows, i.e. Billy, in brackets, also known as M, in brackets? Well, <laughs> I am normally. I have to say, in that case, no. Offspring, no. Offspring I came on, the pilot had already been made, so I it was I inherited a cast. I was I, I certainly st- involved myself in in mm. future um, casting discussions on that show, and and now mm. with my own shows, yeah, oh my god, casting's everything. So I am like, I'm all over it. I'm, it's 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 the most critical stage. Get that wrong. Yes. So true. And like you you were involved in casting Five Bedrooms. You've got a new show starting on the ABC as well, which we haven't even spoken about how you've you've got a whole show that you've conceptualized that you've written that has been picked up by the ABC we're that's going to be casting it right now. And how would you describe the two leads in the show? <laughs> what would you say? Who would you say? They're fucking based on and whose life now has had to go through another mining. <laughs> no, look, it is set in the 1980s mm-hmm. and it is set in the world of commercial news in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And look, sure, is there a closeted gay diligent reporter? Maybe. And is there a very fiery star newsreader who is struggling with being labelled mm. difficult in the workplace? Oh. Maybe I mean, I, but I think when you see it, say. we're not going to want to draw too many parallels. Just trust oh, me. I know. I'm scared. People are going to think this is genuine. Like, well, hopefully, the fact that it's a period piece. I know. Well, exactly. Well, you've brought it up. Oh, babe, I think people are going to see, oh, Michael Lucas wrote this show and then see the two main characters and go, oh, fuck, it's Em and Michael. So I just hope you've kept that in mind when you're writing some of the scripts, which I haven't read yet. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. What have Focus you done? No. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, but, yes, I, I, I am, I am uh, yeah, heavily involved, heavily involved, yeah. and I, I, I love that process because, for me, the reason why I like writing TV better than films is because mm. with films, you know, you finish the script and then you cast it and, you know, and then you make the film. But with TV, the joy is you cast it and then it's like you're in a dance with the cast and you see what they put out and you think, oh, what, mm. what's going to, what are the best moments that I'm going to give? But when I... The, the secret answer to this, which I don't think is entirely professional, is that... Are you going to reveal Are you going to reveal the secret answer? Oh, I didn't think you would. Okay, go. M is also at times involved in my <laughs> casting process because not, not in the necessarily the early stages when it's a big pull, but when I'm on the brink of deciding if I'm going to completely back a particular candidate, there's two people that I often show, my mother and M, because they both have very instant gut reactions to things that I kind of trust. And so yeah. I always feel a little bit better if I if I know that if I show it to M like within seconds she's just <laughs> going to be like yeah or nah. And she doesn't need to, like it's not even necessary that she's read the project or anything like that it's just a gut reaction to what she's getting out of that person on screen and often I hanker for that stamp. But to be fair, you will send me say a photo of a prospective love interest and it just be like would you fuck him? 
Like, <laughs> like sometimes you do just want my visceral loin-driven middle-aged female reaction because you write for women between the ages of 25 and 50. That's true. So, or even uh, older, 60. Uh, yes. So you do want to know that my loins are a fire for a particular cast person. Yes. Oh, exactly. And I remember vividly when we had at this point cast Matt Linavez and obviously at that stage, it's weird to think about it now, at that stage we were nervous because we, Don Honey as was not Patrick, in Offspring. As Patrick, yep, Yes, yep. Don Honey was not in season two of Offspring and so it was a really big task to think how could we replace him and we, we felt very confident about Matt but there was one time when he just started shooting, it was really early on and for some reason Em came into the offices because we were going out and so I decided to like show her a frame, kind of hoping that she, I like the worst mm thing would have been if she looked at it and went oh god this is the new doctor but what happened was she like saw it and she propelled herself back against the wall as though like a truck had driven her into the wall and then slid down to the floor and went oh (laughs) from memory it was a he'd got just gotten out of the shower no it was when It 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 was even weirder than that he was being stitched up He'd, it was a he'd, topless scene. He'd yeah, been in yeah, a yeah. he'd been in a fight, and he was and then she was That's stitching right. his head. And I showed you that, and and it was just it was a one word response that came with an extraordinary action. And I remember thinking like, oh, we're on a winner. I think. I mean, I kind of <laughs> knew that anyway, but I, we were. It was just good to have that confirmation. And so I have, <laughs> I have gone. I have instituted that process ever since. Yeah. Yeah. So any perspective actors out there, you better be nice to me. You just never know. <laughs> You never know how involved I am in the casting of a role you're going for of a Michael Lucas picture. It's hugely unprofessional to do that. But anyway, it's only only very limited. It's like family, so it's not – anyway. Yeah, everyone does it. Uh, Let's do a couple more. What's your favourite movie quote slash line? This is from Shezza. What's your your favourite movie quote, Michael Lucas? My favourite movie quote is from the film Broadcast News, which is a rom-com of the 80s with Holly Hunter and Joan Cusack, who is a goddess, is in it. Goddess. And I love Holly Hunter's character as the absolute workaholic. And, and, And there's this bit where, where I don't know, all, all their work at the newsroom is coming to an end. And so Joan Cusack decides to say something meaningful and encouraging to Holly Hunter. And she goes, except for socially, you're my role model. And I've always loved that line. It's so simple. And Holly Hunter just goes, thank you. Except for socially, you're, you're my, my role, role model. model. I oh. love that line. Okay. Well, mine is from the movie Still Magnolias and oh, there's so many great is. quotes in that movie. Like, I mean, honestly, this was very tough to narrow down because, honestly, every line in that movie is a classic. But my favourite line, and I put it in my autobiography, I've said it many times, come from uh, Dolly Parton where she says, laughter through tears is my favourite emotion. That's, <laughs> that's my favourite. Beautiful <laughs> um, accent work, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. But that movie, like, uh, I mean, there's so many – there's so many in Beaches too also, the greatest love story of all time, Beaches. Yes. Um, but, yeah, if I had to pick one. But I do – those two movies, God, God, they're good. They're so good. <laughs> we haven't done Still Magnolias in a while. I really feel like we need to sit down. I agree. Mm-hmm. In fact, have mm-hmm. we ever together sat down no. and done a screening together? We certainly have with Beaches and we've yeah, done we it with have, League of we, Their Own. But we, I don't we, think we've done Still Magnolias because often it comes mm. up. And actually, it's it's Chella has a resistance to watching it because of the tragedy. Yeah, she does. She hasn't watched it, but I made um, Scott watch it, 
And I also made Scott watch Beaches. So I sat Scott down. I was physical. I said, you have to watch this. And so we sat and I sat there and I watched him. I didn't watch the film because I know it were perfect. So I just sat and watched him watch Beaches. Um, we got to the end of it and he looked at me and he said, so much of you makes sense to me. <laughs> and I have never been more attracted to my husband ever in 20 years and I've never <laughs> felt more seen than when after he watched C.C. Bloom, Bette Midler, in beaches, turn to me and say, I now understand you better. I've never felt more seen by my husband in my life. Did he crack out a tear when the wind um, beneath my wings started to play? He was very, he was moved. He was moved by that. He laughed a lot at Bette Midler. We've been watching the, um, so Scott and I find it hard to find shows that we watch together, but we both, he, I dragged him into the politician season two, which he's loving. And he loves the Judith Light, Bette Midler mm. combination. Bette Midler also a nominee. Oh, thank God. Um, from our last podcast. Yeah, I'm really bad at that. Anyway. I love Bette Midler. I mean, I mean, her career is something I aspire to. I, I feel very connected to her and her performance style. And th- her role as Hadassah in Politician Season 2 is she has the best lines. Like she was cherry-picked. The lines that come out her mouth are astonishing. Oh, she's the genius. And even it was so evident back in Beaches and even before. Oh. Like, like the hungover, I went for a swim. In the Central Park boating <laughs> ponds with my real friends. With my real friends. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> everything, oh, she's so good. If you haven't watched A Politician, you need to watch it. It's so camp. But season two especially, I don't think it's been given the kudos it deserves. It is lightning writing. Uh, they must have got someone new in. The writing is insane. It is so savvy and smart. And also it's almost folds in on itself. It's so self-aware. It's just uh, you. You haven't watched it, have you? You haven't watched. No, I ha- I've w- I've watched the first couple of episodes. I'll, I'll, no, I have to keep, I know, you've got to wait. Hadassah gets a boyfriend, and oh, the thruple explodes, and it is just. And there's so much like for women over sixty. These two actresses get the starring roles, and it is refreshing. Let oh me yeah, say. And I love oh. what a good era this is for Bet. I love it. I love it. She's all oh. over Twitter. She's slagging off Trump. She's exactly <laughs> what I want for Bet in her seventies. <laughs> All right, let's end this on a controversial question, actually. Best pop diva, and it can't be Madonna from Liam Burke. Liam Burke has banned us because he knew that we would probably both say Madonna because we need to do a whole episode that's just about Madonna. (laughs) Yeah, Um, finally, yeah. It might be a six-parter or a (laughs) six-hour episode. People don't realise you have an encyclopedic knowledge of everything about her, and I just have a general obsession and convinced that she's actually my biological mother. Sorry, Jenny. So much so that I wrote her a letter that I then (laughs) read out loud at a Women of Letters event and was published in a book. So it's really out there for everyone to see. Um, But we can't make this about Madonna. We can't. Liam very specifically said it cannot be Madonna. Who is the best pop diva? Who's your favourite pop diva? Bar Madonna. Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. Okay, you go, you go. Oh, you oh. go, you go, you go, you go, you go. I no, mean, Beyonce, yeah, you, Beyonce go, for, you go, for, you go. Well, yeah. look, I'm going to say Beyonce. Beyonce. Beyonce is the yep. next queen for me if I had to choose someone okay, who's okay, on Madonna. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah. uh, currently it is, it's Dua Lipa. But oh, but she can't. No, don't jinx her, don't jinx her, don't jinx her. Why? Why was that jinxing her? Well, I just feel She's like not a great sh- yet. No, and she's still in, she's only done two albums, so let's calm down. Mm. She's from for you and I, because for a while we thought Ariana Grande might take the mantle. I mean, I've got enough love for all of them. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. I mean, it's not yeah, like it's I, not like when a new diva comes out. I need to divide my love. I grow more love 
for them. True, true, true. But for me, it's diversified. The divas have like diversified. The divas have been watered down a bit. Because, you know, you've got you've got your Miley's, your Katie's, your Taylor's, your Ari's, your Dewar's, your Rihanna's, your, like your Adele's. Like there's all sorts of different flavour of diva now. Mm. But, but for me, the true, like it was so hard to rise to the top of pop divadom pre-social media because you really had to win the crowds, mm. you know? You had to get them to go out and physically buy yeah. your albums. Yeah, like Billie Eilish could arguably call to be called a pop diva. Do you know what I mean? So for me, what are we defining as diva? Because none of those girls, Beyonce for me is the last, I realise how much I say for me, really. That's my catchphrase. For me, for mine. Beyonce was the last true, iconic, all-encompassing, every channel dominating diva. There I said it. I don't think there's been anyone since. I've got the qualities that I need in a diva, I think are different, slightly different to yours because for me it's, Mm. and this is highly controversial, for Mm. me dance ability in some ways is more important to me than vocal ability. Like obviously they (gasps) need to be able to carry a shit. I know because I'm, I guess I'm maybe a little bit more visual or something like that than than, but also I don't Soulless like. Me. I mean, obviously, I, I I love and respect Kylie Minogue, but like I feel mm. like sometimes I should hand in my gay card because I've never been as obsessed with her as I should be, and I think it's because she's just not a great dancer. And obviously, Madonna's, you know, she's certainly not the best singer, but far out she could dance. dance. It was incredible, mm. and Beyonce was just such an extraordinary Oof. dancer. And yeah. I was already obsessed with it, but by the time of Single Ladies, and when I saw that video clip, it was just like, oh, oh Jesus Christ! So that uh, dancing's important to me, and the mm. other thing that's important to me is I I love it an evolution, and I I love it. Like I always love with Madonna how you know the Madonna that mm. sang um, Lucky Star was so different from the Madonna that sang Ray of Light. Like she she just had evolved yeah. so much and it feels like you're growing up with her. And I have the same yeah. thing with Beyonce. You listen to Destiny's Child, but then you go to Lemonade and yeah. just the kind of things she's tackling, you know, for me that's yeah. that's True. those are the two essential qualities. Amazing dancer and an amazing evolver, if that's it. Or reinventor, evolver. <laughs> evolver. And, and also <laughs> they've got to have a quality vulva. Uh, vulva. Yeah. Um, well, for me, singing ability is very important, mm. obviously. And But I do – I'm able to separate my divas into different camps. So, I mean, Whitney, for me, is the ultimate singer, I just said for me again. Mm. Now I'm going to be obsessed about not saying it. Because um, she, the singing, and and just, just, just so beautiful, and there was so much heartbreak behind her story when you learned it. And I was very drawn to Whitney as a kid, super drawn to Whitney. But uh, but then, I, I don't know, I feel like I have different divas with different flavours. I know we're not allowed to mention Madonna, but obviously Madonna was, as we said, not a great singer, but a great entertainer. And I think the reason I've always tried to – the inspiration behind me putting on all-encompassing shows that aren't just stand-up comedy but it's singing and dancing and costuming and, and every time there's a different theme because of her, I was given permission to do that. Mm. But, I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's hard because Adele is considered a great pop diva but she just stands and sings, which is fine. But you love Adele. You put you you do put her up there, so yeah. No, I do. I mean, I guess I if we have to answer Liam's question, and I'm so glad we didn't make it about Madonna. <laughs> I'm so glad we didn't mention her 87 times yeah. as yeah. we tried to talk about it. I agree with you. I want to revise my answer, Beyonce, because she does give me the singing. God damn, she gives me the singing. She gives you the dancing. She gives us the reinvention. She gives us the costumes. She gives us the social issues. Oh, she yeah. gives us the rock solid marriage covered in mystique. You know, the over-the-top mother who we both love following on Instagram, Tina. Um, so I think and we just get... And at the forefront of the culture too. Like that's, yeah. I mean, not to bring back to Madonna again, but <laughs> that her, 
in Blonde Ambition, in that bullet yeah. bra with the muscles, yeah. was like this yeah. striking image that yeah. was like it was from the future when she did. And it was from the future. She was ahead of her time. And Beyonce, yeah. like, coming out of the Super Bowl in the Black Panthers yeah. thing, doing Black Lives Matter, when, yeah. you know, years before any yeah. of this happened, I also like a diva as a, as a vessel for social change. <laughs> Same. But an up-and-coming player to watch uh, is definitely Dua Lipa. We are on board for her and looking forward to what the future holds. But let's not place the heavy crown of um, no. pop divadom on her head just now. I don't think her shoulders are prepared. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for your questions. <laughs> <laughs> Look how passionate we got. It was like an episode of Q&A when we had to discuss, discuss the divas. So we needed Hamish McDonald to come in and go, okay, if you, we could just – the question was don't mention Madonna. Why are you mentioning her again and again and again? It was quite clear. I know. Oh, my God. But I feel like Hamish McDonald would also love a diva discussion because I've had some with him. He's not just a news hound, guys. He also loves pop divas. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I know. I just thought about I got so – I so enjoyed that deep dive. I bet he's a Kylie fan. That's what I'm getting. I don't know why. Mm, yeah, he might be. I might ask him. He's such a delightful individual. Um, I just want to say I listened to <laughs> – I know we're ending the podcast – we're very excited about Kylie's forthcoming disco album, but I, the first track didn't captivate you. No, it didn't captivate me. Not yet. It just felt maybe it's the slow build. Maybe it's not quite the slap in the face of the disco ball. Maybe that's this is just like the pre-drinks. That's maybe true. Maybe, pre's, maybe. And the next track is just going to be insane. And but, ultimately, you know, of course, that we've forgotten. The most fundamental Gaga. thing of a diva is bangers. We forgot Gaga. Oh, but, forgot yeah, Gaga. no, no, I know, but I, yeah. Oh, no, I put Gaga up there. No, I she's up Gaga. there. Absolutely, she's up there, but she's not taken on Beyonce for me. <gasps> I think she's the only person who's come close. True, true, true. Think of all the reinvention she had. Think of, like, she had an insane five to ten of just pumping out hits and reinventions and, mm. like, Eggs and aliens and like she had a very intense. Beyonce's just stretched it out more, but I would say if you had to pick a runner-up to Beyonce, yes, no, I would. I would concur. Gaga. Yes, absolutely. Gaga. <laughs> She's the vice president. Absolutely. But it is, it is for me. It was there was a little period of time where Gaga, after unleashing so many bangers, had a slight banger drought. But she's come good oh, now. She's totally come good. And ultimately that's, yeah. I mean, that's the secret of Madonna's career is that every three yeah. years she would just yeah. unleash a banger that was so good. It didn't true, matter true. what you thought of her at that point. When you heard something like, say, Hung Up or Music yes. or Ray of Light, you, yes. just had to, you just had to become a fan again. You couldn't help it. But, again, not to dwell on Madonna. No, not to. And, and Beyonce <laughs> has had that gift for me. Like, like, you true. know, the first time I heard Formation. Oh. Oh. oh and Crazy in Love is, for me, the ultimate oh. banger. No, see, I don't think... <laughs> We're definitely going to stop. stop We're going to stop. Yeah. I don't think that um, Deja Vu gets enough credit for being a massive banger. The one she did with Jay Z. Yeah. You oh, know, where she's in the bayou in yeah. that beautiful dress, walking yeah. through the reeds and just flipping around. Yeah. Dunk, 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 dunk. Like, uh, honestly, I don't think Deja Vu gets enough credit for the banger it is. Oh, and for me, Baby Boy is still in my workout mix. I, that's another slightly under the radar Beyonce banger. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your questions, guys. Thanks, Michael. All right. Talk soon. Talk soon. Bye. A podcast one production.